0: And if you fuck up, man, me and you are done for good.
1: <laughs> so then we done, man. <laughs>
0: um, but make sure you address the camera and put your sauce on it however you want to do it.
1: My sauce? Okay.
0: The L train no, sauce. put my sauce on it. <laughs> Whenever you're ready.
1: Okay. Hi, my name is Lionel Train, and this is the golden hour.
0: Oh, keep going. Blew it. Blew it. Blew it. Blew Blew it. But we'll go with it. It's fine. <laughs> No. <laughs> So, excuse my burp also, Um, excuse my congested sinus today, I woke up like it, but nonetheless I'm very excited about this episode because you are probably, and I'll give you a proper introduction to the first person in terms of venue administration that I've had up here, but it's such a vital part of what goes on here, especially for opportunity for artists that like I feel like we're providing value. What do you think, Jack? Also, Jack's behind the camera. Shout out to Jack. Jack's a great guy. Nonetheless, before Golden Deer hit Boston, Lionel doesn't even know this, but I checked in at them at least not once, not twice, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven times looking for him. I believe it. I swear to God. I believe it. And I was, I would take a picture every time. I mean, because I, I know your email probably gets so jammed up, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, your email's probably crazy ba- backed up. I was like, the probably the only way that I'll be able to actually make contact is if I just somehow see him in person.
1: It's kind of what happened, I think, right? I think it is what happened. Yeah, if I remember correctly.
0: And then, um, more than anything, actually, oh, here the proper intro. This is Lionel Train. He's a great guy. He's a booking agent at the Middle East, and before Golden Deer officially hit Boston, he was probably the first person I met in Boston that was a really good dude.
1: Thank you, man. Thank you for <laughs> saying that.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, nonetheless, when I checked in first at the Middle East, you're like, "Yeah, let's like let's talk about like your show," mm. and I was like, "Okay, yeah, sure, we'll talk about it." And so I told you, you know how I fast? Yeah. So this was like a. I wasn't thinking, like, big business, right? And so he was like, yeah, let's have some lunch. And so he offered to buy me lunch, Jack. And I was like, nah, man, I'm fasting. And he, like, looked at me, was like, this kid's a fruit, man. <laughs> but then I realized, I was like, actually, no, maybe I should eat lunch, because, like, that's how people bond over shit, is eat.
1: Do you remember that? You know, I vaguely remember that.
0: I remember you looked at me like, um, What? <laughs> Like I'm <laughs> offering you free lunch.
1: Fasting is good though. It's actually good for you. It's great. Yeah.
0: Um Jack fasts every day. Oh yeah. That's every we, day? Oh, every single well not we don't fast. So I intermittent fast. We don't fast, fast like kind of. like six days without food. It's like right. I, I eat within like a six hour period gotcha. every day. Yeah. It's it's cool. It's kinda of, yeah. Tough. Yeah, how was your holiday? Good?
1: It was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kids are happy, so you know, as long as they're happy, I'm good. I know, man. That
0: was one thing. You also, because now everyone we're around has kids. Mm. That's like next. Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) But you were like, man, my responsibilities are much different than you. I have like kids. I have to take care of and provide for.
1: This is true. Yeah.
0: Do Do you remember what it was like not having kids and like,
1: man, you um, think so
0: much different, right?
1: Yeah, you have to totally change your uh, your perspective. Mm -hmm. I. I don't think about it a lot, but every now and then I, I kind of think back to when I didn't have kids, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful. Kids are a blessing.
0: Don't, don't curse us, man. That's the last thing we need. Well, well, so when you, you started as a promoter before you had kids. Yes. Cause I remember right. I asked you your come up story. I was like, how did this like happen? Right. You, you were initially a bouncer. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I'll try to make it brief, but no, no,
0: no. I mean, we got time, man. <laughs>
1: So uh, the first show that I ever saw, like a live concert in Boston, believe it or not, was this band called Missile Thrush, and they played downstairs, Middle East. Um, I had just moved back home from Michigan. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a year and a half. It didn't work out. For school? Um, I went there to follow a girl, actually. (laughs) Really? Do you still still see her? No. No? No. But um, so that didn't work out, and I was coming back home to kind of restart my life, and my brother had invited me to the Middle East. And uh, you know, he knew I loved mm-hmm. music. We went to see uh the downstairs in, you're initially from Boston? Yes. What? I grew up in Chelsea and right. then uh until I was about fourteen and then we moved to Somerville.
0: Oh word, okay. Yeah. So you've known forever that the Middle East is like that spot.
1: Honestly, man, I would I would see the name around, mm-hmm. but I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. Yeah. Everything I would see would, would be like, you know, DJs and this, and, or names I didn't recognize. I was mm-hmm. more a mainstream kind of person, not necessarily like local music. You're no longer mainstream, though. Let's, no yeah. longer <laughs> mainstream, no. No, definitely not. Not with this, not with this. Jazz. No, with this rap. <laughs> we hate this rap.
0: Um, And so then you you come back from Michigan. How old are you?
1: So I think I was about 23, somewhere around right, okay. 23.
0: And then you're like, you go to a show with your brother?
1: Yeah, so my brother knew that I was I was you know I, was un- I wasn't happy. Obviously, mm-hmm. It was restarting. I was sleeping on my parents' couch. Mm-hmm. Didn't have my own place yet, and um, so he invited me out. We went to the Middle East downstairs, and I fell in love. Yeah, first night with, with the venue or the music, everything, the music, the That's venue, crazy. the whole experience. It was it, I needed that, and um, that night I remember talking to. It was Mi- Missile Rush. You said Missile Thrush. Thrush yeah, Missile Thrush. That's awesome. So that night I remember talking to. Um, I remember thinking, oh, I want to work here. I, so, you know, I can't wait to work here. Mm-hmm. So I started talking to somebody that worked there. I think it was a bouncer or something like that. And they, they said, oh, yeah, we'll take your number. And, you know, mm-hmm. well, if we're interested, we'll call you. Yeah. They called me like one or two days later and offered me a job. Wow. And and
0: same management or way different management?
1: Com- I mean, same ownership, but different management. Like, yeah. There's probably like one person that still works there.
0: That was there since you That been there. was
1: there when I when I first started. Well,
0: yeah, I wonder if that's that's a reflection of just like venue management and music management in general. There's always just people moving. Oh and yeah, high turnover. Yeah, yeah. You've seen it more than anyone. When, when during that first event downstairs, like what was it that you were just like, I love the vibe, like the feeling's awesome, or because I'm gonna be honest, when I first went downstairs. Mm. And like I, I sound giddy as fuck, but like, excuse my language. Um, but I was like, wow, there's just like an energy down here, which is like crazy, because like clearly yeah. this place has seen
1: tons of stuff.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Was it the same feeling back when you were my age?
1: I think, yeah, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I think it was. It was. It was the atmosphere. I'm a young you. I think you're a young me times ten, because ah. I I didn't have the energy and the focus that you have, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I had the desire, but I didn't have the energy or the focus or the vision. Mm-hmm. So I think that you have a lot more than I had at that age.
0: Yeah, yeah but one thing I I picked up on about you is, anal- like, you understand analytics, like, really to an insane level, which is, like, I mean, you could work anywhere, honestly, with your an- analytical mind. Thank you. So, I and I, I know we had talked about that, too. Like, do you see... um you've done you've worked at the middle east like how has how has your job changed has it changed
1: that's a good question um so from being a promoter to oh well
0: start at the bouncer so you went bouncer then what
1: so i was a bouncer for a little while and um i, I think i was there for like a year year and a half and towards the end of the, to my time there i started to try to do other positions because um they told me that i was i was too nice to be a bouncer (laughs) Mm -hmm. well being a bouncer is tough man it is tough it is a tough job so they took me off the schedule for for being a bouncer because i was quote-unquote too nice
0: why you weren't like patting people down heavy or like you're letting people in
1: i think that at least at at that time um you you had to have like a certain mentality to be a bouncer and you to to be wicked aggressive i wouldn't say that you have to be wicked aggressive i think in general, I'm just, like, a nice person. I'm not trying to do Yeah, you're a great her. dude, man. So, like, for, w- for whatever reason, management at that time, mm-hmm. they wanted someone that wasn't as nice. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and they had a lot of security at that time. So mm-hmm. they, they just took me off the schedule. And it was okay. It was un- I wasn't, like, I wasn't angry about it or anything like that. It was, it was strange. At first, I didn't understand it. But then I, I kind of. So, kinda so they fired you? They didn't fire me. No, they didn't fire me because I was actually working in another department. So, like, they just didn't put me – they didn't give me hours for security at that point. I, I and, did, and they promoted you where? They didn't promote me. So, basically, mm-hmm. the Middle East has different uh, departments. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I would take some shifts as a door person. I even tried my hand at uh, working in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I liked being a door person, actually. Um, the restaurant was cool, but it, was, it wasn't really for me. Um, but around this time is when I started – you know, really developing friendships and relationships with bands and promoters and labels and, uh, you know, bands would start to ask me to, to manage them or book them. And so that started taking off. And then do
0: you think that's because your demeanor, like you just kind of like you, you're on the ball kind of, and like you understand how business wise things work Do you think it's like people start picking up on that? I think, um, or is it more just like, Hey, I know you, you kind of need help. I kind of know how it
1: works. I think it's a combination of those things that I think I was kind of at the right place at the right time, not to be cliche or anything like that, but, you know, I had a hunger and a desire to want to be working in the music business and there was an opportunity there and, uh, and bands, you know, they, they also were looking for opportunity. So we kind of needed each other. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I kind of just started from the bottom at that point. Didn't so, have any training. Didn't go to school for for uh, for that. Yeah, but we both know you can't really go to school for that anyway. No, not necessarily. No, you,
0: you can't go to school to learn people.
1: No, definitely not.
0: Absolutely not. We, I was, a, if you if you believe it, at Providence College, I was the second worst marketing student. Really? In my degree? I don't believe that. I swear to God, I <laughs> swear. Is that not true? True. My wow, t- it's it doesn't really make sense, which is funny. Yeah, but um, so you you progressed, you were so you're managing a bunch of like smaller local Boston bands, correct? Right. And then you said, that I was a promoter. I could sleep into any time I wanted, and make money hand over fist."
1: Well, I didn't go that. I didn't go there right away. But okay, I started as a manager, and um, you know, thrown into the fire, you know, and um, I had to learn quickly how to do things and. One of the... You know, there were certain people that came along the way that kind of, like, gave me good advice. Like, one of them was, was Shred. I don't know if you know Shred. he was I don't. A, He was a DJ at uh, BCN, and he was booking the Rock and Roll Rumble at that time when I first started, and he gave me good advice. It was, uh, like, Mike Warner from Clear Channel gave me some good advice. Uh, Mickey Bliss... Books I'm, I'm honest, i am being honest, I'm not too familiar with most of these. These names. are all a different bands. generation. Yeah, different generation. But, I mean, along the way, I got some good advice and, and some, you know, uh, opportunities. Mm-hmm. And um, so what it, bands, they wanted me to do everything, you know, to, as the manager. One of the main things they wanted me to do was book them shows. Mm-hmm. And so I would try to book shows. I would call all these venues. And what I was figuring out was that there was... So, not a, I, wanna, I wouldn't say a monopoly, but the way that it was set up where, like, you know, these DJs were booking these rooms, so you had to go to them. I thought I could just call the venue and book directly to the venue, but it wasn't like that. You had to go through a middle a middle person.
0: Wait, so the DJ had some sort of hierarchy when it came to booking the space?
1: Back in those days, they did, yeah.
0: So what? It's like a DJ, like, this is my room. So, like, let's say DJ Jack, he had control over the Middle East upstairs type thing.
1: Yeah, so like uh, you, know, you had like Mark Hamill from from VCN back in those days was booking the downstairs. He's actually the one of the people that that uh, when I first started working there, he was, you know, he interviewed me. I think was mm-hmm. was how uh, so I got in there. And um, so like he was booking that room, and eventually like Shred was booking the upstairs. Um, and then I yeah. think that's crazy. So that's it was changed weird. Completely, it's changed now. Yeah, it's different. But back in those days, you couldn't just call the venue and say, "Oh, I want to, you know, I want to play here." They would like direct you to somewhere else. I would call Don Law, and mm-hmm. I was like, "You know, I want to, I want to book a show at here." And they're like, "Oh, talk to this DJ or talk to you know this person." Wait, so, so,
0: so DJs back then had—I wonder why they had more power.
1: I think because radio was bigger then, it was more. Yeah, involved. I was gonna say
0: it's it's kind of like jamming now. Like DJs in the nineties and early two thousands, like, were very popular. Yeah. And now it's everything's online, so it's shifted.
1: And these are rock DJs, though. That's just want to make a distinction there. It wasn't It wasn't like hip hop or R and B DJs. These were rock DJs, like BCN, really so, was so involved. Is locally. there is
0: there a difference in job? So, like, what a, would a rock DJ do?
1: Just the genre is the difference, really.
0: So, like, so, but they're on turntables and stuff. A rock DJ? No, no,
1: they're DJs on the radio station. Oh, okay. So, oh, right. okay. Yeah. Oh, radio oh, personalities, oh. I should say.
0: <laughs> okay, so the radio. So the radio DJ back then had his hand in shows, had his hand in the radio, and had his hand in venue management as well.
1: Not venue management, but more so just the booking. Yeah. Um, Wow. But it made changed a lot. It makes sense because back then, you know, radio was more popular than it is now, Mm -hmm. and um, it was more relevant to, to the local, you know, local music and all that. So.
0: Well, yeah, that's one thing I learned. So we had um this uh, young woman named Kateria up here who was on Jammin' 94.5. Mm. And she was just – she said she had done 200 events in the last year. And I was wow, like – Wow, it's a lot. And she's on Jammin', which is like the premium network. And right. so I'm like – I'm just thinking. I'm like, wow, like the radio hustle is crazy, and it's been like that forever. Yeah You know what I'm saying So she like She's always out doing stuff Always talking to people Always on the radio So that really hasn't changed much I'm assuming
1: Probably not No
0: You wouldn't think that You would think that DJs are like Their one job Is to just provide For the network But they're So you're talking These DJs were making Face to face with everybody Shaking everyone's hand Yeah Yeah So they were like Mini celebrities in the city For the most part
1: I mean keep in mind uh, These venues they, They booked national acts as well So the, the DJs and this the radio stations had direct contact with, with these acts Wow so, so that it, it made sense at the time for that to happen
0: and, and so you, so back to your life story so you're you transition you're a manager right right picking up all this advice and then what happens
1: So I start to book shows and um, you know kind of oh uh, you know email this person email that person no responses. So which so this know, is what early two thousands. This is early two thousands, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, um, so finally, I was able to get into smaller rooms that didn't really have those obstacles. And then, um, you know, as I booked shows, I realized that I needed to put th- the lineup together. Mm-hmm. It was easier if I just put a lineup together t- to do the show. Mm-hmm. If I just try to book the one band that I manage on a show is more cumbersome
0: in a smaller audience.
1: I'm assuming. Sure, uh, it was more so availability of like getting on a show, like you know, so like if I contact the venue, they you know they already have bands, mm-hmm. like they you know so they they're more likely to just like give you a date if they trust you and let you book the lineup. Mm-hmm. So I started to do that, and then I kind of transitioned from management to uh, to being a booking agent for bands, to so just like booking them on shows.
0: So how did that work? You had a like a direct relationship with whoever was ever running the space.
1: I had a direct relationship with the bands that I was working with and also a direct relationship with the people that booked you know the particular venue.
0: So how would that so money-wise how would that work?
1: So money-wise initially I was honestly in the beginning I was doing everything without making any money. Mm-hmm. And and I knew that that was probably going to happen and well, you got to meet okay. people and Yeah, you have to establish kind of yourself quote-unquote pay dues. <laughs> So um, and that's something I also had to figure out because I I didn't know like how how to make money or how to how the bands could make money. And so, um, you know, basically, initially bands, you know, depending on the kind of show it was, they would either make money based on their draw or if it was like a guaranteed kind of show, then they would get money that way. Mm
0: -hmm. And so so back then it was still the Middle East. That was still like the prevalent venue.
1: So, the Middle East was, was kind of like the the castle at the top of the hill. I, I hadn't even gotten there yet.
0: So, what, what were the smaller venues? Was it like Lizard Lounge? Smaller
1: venues were that I actually did shows in were like
0: PA's Lounge. Was, like, I don't even know where that is. PA's
1: Lounge is in Somerville. They actually just changed their name. I think it's called Union Square Tavern or something. Oh, okay. Like that. Okay. Yeah.
0: And they, they still do music over there? They do, yep. It, it, it was. Um,
1: O'Brien's was another one in Alston. Oh, so you were really
0: like doing small,
1: small venues? I was venues. doing tiny venues, yeah. What about was Lansdowne Pub open? Wasn't yet. No, Lansdowne Pub used to be called Jake Ivory's, mm-hmm. and they they had like a piano bar. So but that's did...
0: the type of venue you would you would try to book, correct?
1: No, no, because that, that that was just all piano bar. The, like Bill's Bar is where that's that's when I really got a bigger break was Bill's Bar on Lansdowne Street. Oh right, Bill's. Yeah, Bill's Bar was was the main. That was your spot. Yeah, it started. Pa's Lounge was like the f- the first step really, mm-hmm. and I did I booked I did all their shows for a while, and then. I moved on to to Bill's bar doing almost all their shows for a little while. How would you market back then without the internet? Man. Honestly. I'm you. I mean, it was like flyers. Posters, oh my god. Vix, imagine that. Email email blasts. <laughs> which you don't really well, see. Yeah, anymore. but people
0: would read their emails back then more so, right?
1: I think so, yeah. But it was a lot of spam back then too. A lot of a lot of ton too many emails. I can't even so you would really be
0: like street to street person to person handing out flyers.
1: Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, the bands really, honestly, bands are the ones that really would market the main one. My my role really was more of an organizer, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, because when you, when you're talking about local music, it's hard to call yourself a promoter. But, you know, a lot of people use that term, but I don't, I don't necessarily agree that that's what it is. There are some Amen. people. Amen. Amen. are. You are. You. You are one of the people that actually are a promoter. Oh. I, I actually saw this like first person. What you did for that? The, we did a show together, yeah. Downstairs Middle East, and you were the promoter. You made that show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, I still had to wear 15 other hats. You did, yeah. And that's just the nature of anybody being a quote unquote organizer in right. Boston. Like right. you, you, you know. Sorry, did that blow your ears off? Nah, it's good. Um. Yeah, I mean that's so back then. You were, I'm sure you were, a promoter. You were, I'm sure you were. Well, well, to a certain extent. I thought
1: extent, I was honestly. I was like, I'm a promoter, but honestly, I was just an event organizer.
0: Well, you know, there's a, there's a sleaze ball connotation with the the term promoter now, right? Just because there are some a lot people, yeah. there are a lot of people who just they shortcut and they they think it's like a quick way to make money.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, there are some people like that.
0: There's a ton. I mean, yeah. that that's why I don't. If we're doing an event or we're doing a show, I don't want to come across as a promoter because. I mean, would you agree when you hear the term promoter, you think, like, this guy's like a scumbag? <laughs> yeah. It's it's actually, for shows, it's actually different. Club promoters club is, mm. yeah. Club, club the business club. doesn't really make sense. Yeah, clubs are weird. Clubs are totally weird.
1: Well, you mean, like, dance nights and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, like a downtown club or something. It's like, I'm talking to a promoter. It's like, you know, there's they're not being fully transparent about what's going on oh i see what you're saying yeah that's traditional i think with concerts there's more of a purity with it
1: Mm. um yeah club promoters not nothing against club promoters but yeah it seems like there's there's all like a lot of different sub promoters like there's like the main person that's the direct contact to the venue or the artist and then they have all these sub promoters underneath Mm -hmm. so like everyone's a promoter at that point
0: <laughs> and well and i think another thing i realized and i'm I'm like very appreciative for you for this mind you this was my first concert you were very transparent with me about how the money worked mm. how i would make money how you would make money how the artist should make money and i was like okay that's how you should do things because people get so scared about how money's gonna work right just be like yes this is how this is gonna work and i like appreciate you for that from it like with everything now we're totally like that we're just like okay this is how it
1: works well thank you yeah i mean transparency is always the best way to go um absolutely it it keeps everybody on the same page it 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 manage, manages expectations
0: well people get scared about money it there's just a right you know people think they're trying to steal from them it's like no no one's trying to do that
1: right yeah and and um you know as a venue representative we want to to uh, cultivate new talent. So mm-hmm. when I when I met you, I already knew right off the bat that you were that you. This kid's a spaz. Succeed. No, I knew you were going to succeed, and I knew that I n- needed to do whatever I could to help you get there. Mm-hmm. And by being transparent, and and being encouraging, and you know, giving you all the tools that you that you needed outside of what you already had, um, I feel like that helped help make it work.
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry. Well, I'm definitely going to get back to that, but. Sorry again. Um, we deviate. What is that? It's it's my text update oh, okay. o- on my laptop. <laughs> All the sound through my laptop is playing the through it. I trying to get at you. <laughs> well, that was actually the studio. Oh, obligatory plug. Shout out to Phoenix Down, man. Thank you for having us. If you come in with whack tracks, you'll leave sounding like a boogie with a hoodie. Right, Bix? Big backs.
1: Wait, was that a diss to boogie with a hoodie?
0: No, you're leaving like you're sounding like a pro. Oh. If you come in awful, you'll leave sounding great. The, you got to hear this guy's mix. You're like, whoa, what? He totally turned the song yeah, around.
1: Yeah, let's check some of that out later.
0: Absolutely. Um, wait, so I just want to make sure we get your whole story. And sorry, it's deviated a little bit. So you are now at the point. Y- you need a. You need to write a book. Is what you need to do. <sighs> you're now at the point Maybe. where you're wearing a bunch of hats. More than anything, you're you're kind of like that go to guy.
1: Yeah. But I was all local. I was only doing local music at that mm-hmm. time. And um, so, yeah. So, booking agent, trying to book one band on a show, that also was a little difficult. And so I realized I had to put the whole show together. And that's when I came, thought I was going to be a promoter at that point. But mm-hmm. really, I was an event organizer, to be honest with you. What, um, what's the distinction to you? To me, promoter is like um, a person that... that uh that handles all the promotion Mm -hmm. or almost all the promotion and is able to bring in a crowd on their own. So when you're, when you're looking at local acts, you know, a lot of the people that are coming to see them are just their like family and friends and some fans. We were
0: actually at the Middle East last night. Oh, cool. We were upstairs last night, but yeah, Yeah. the show was very similar or something
1: like that. Yeah. So like as a quote unquote promoter, depending on the style of music, it's not necessarily easy to bring in a new crowd to see a rock a local rock band exactly you know if you you know in certain styles of music it's easier like with like jam and funk bands because there's like a, a core community of people that are looking to, to go to those kind of mm-hmm. shows but um you know local bands really are the real promoters man honestly they're the, they're the ones that, that actually bring in the people when, when you're talking about just a local show yeah absolutely not a, not a national show that's, that's completely different now, if you're talking about like a national show right um whoever like the person that's promoting that one that's a promoter, because mm-hmm. like you know that national act has real fans, and the person that's the promoter is marketing to them absolutely and, and you know drawing them in you know or you know bringing in some other newer fans
0: so um back to the Lionel saga, we are in the early 2000s
1: this is like early to mid you're a young hunk. All the girls love you No not even Killing it (laughs) Not even
0: And then So you're done You're a show organizer And then what
1: And so I did that for a long time Uh, I had Onslaught Entertainment Was was my company Whoa Onslaught yeah So I did that for a while And um Like I said I was doing This is like an
0: an Every Friday night type thing
1: Every weekend I had a show Almost Almost every weekend It's It's the only way You can make money Weekends are the best I mean obviously Everybody wants a weekend
0: well, I just mean consistency with the shows. Right, right. On your end, from like a money end, that's like the only way you could really make money off doing it.
1: If it was a weekend, yeah, It was mm-hmm. the best. Yeah, I mean, I actually did initially. I was doing some, like some Wednesdays and some Sundays. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like where I broke in. I did those at like Harper's Ferry. Oh, word, okay. One. That's actually now Brighton Music Hall. It's yeah, venue now. But um, Crossroads bought it. They or manage it. They didn't buy it. I think they. Uh, you know, Harper's Ferry. I, I don't know all the details, but basically they took over that lease. Mm-hmm. Like somebody else owns that building. Yeah. I don't think they own the building, but they think they just rent it.
0: All I know is obviously I have interest in selling it to Paradise Rock Club at some point. <laughs> you know, I mean That's that's
1: uh yeah, that's that's uh that's live nation. You
0: know I'm gonna do it though. I'm gonna sell it out. I'd love to see it, but you know And you you know. better be there.
1: I'll be there, sure. Um, yeah. I'll be
0: we i don't know in terms of time frame when it's going to work but it will yeah. work um but when i was checking in with them after our show they were the first thing they said is okay you're a, you're a local dude doing this right have you sold out the middle east downstairs or have you thrown a huge show or have you done the brighton but they they prioritize i don't even know if it's based on venue i actually think venue size, I think it's based on prestige. They prioritize the Middle East Downstairs over Brighton. Were you aware of this?
1: Um not necessarily, but I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Bright- Middle East Downstairs has a, a lot of history. Mm-hmm. Um I mean it's it's a it's a dying breed. It is. You know, it's, it's crazy. A, it's, a, it's a it's an a totally owned, independent um you know mid sized venue. Um but also it's bigger than Capacity is larger. like 100, 100 larger, I think. About mm-hmm. thereabouts, yeah.
0: Um, all right, so you're you're a hustler, cool. After Onslaught, what happens?
1: So after Onslaught, I you know, I got my break into Bill's Bar. Um, John Canaly, shout out to John Canally. shout out chance. John. John Canelli gave me a, a chance, and nice. you know, he believed in me and started doing shows there. Eventually, I was doing almost all their shows, mostly on the weekends, and um. I made the mistake of putting all my eggs in one basket, which I, I learned a hard lesson there. You um, elaborate. So basically, I was you know I was doing shows, uh, Middle East upstairs and downstairs. Seldomly, mm-hmm. um, Shred gave me a ch- my first chance over there, and then uh, you know I was I did some O'Brien shows here and there, and had just finished up at PA's Lounge. So then, when Bill's Bar started giving me more and more dates, I kind of just started booking all my shows there. At that point, um, that was a big mistake because I didn't diversify, mm-hmm. and so what happened was um, Bill's bar ended up just suddenly, without notice, closing down. Um, oh, so you're like fuck, right? I was just about to have my my uh, my son Adam was was about to be born, and you know I get the email. Oh, you know we're and you're like damn, we're closing indefinitely, and they didn't no warning, nothing. No warning. I mean. In hindsight, I should have saw the warning signs. I mean, they were were renovating Jake Ivory's um, to Um, make it to Lansdowne Pub.
0: And I'm sure you saw, like, uh, was management less motivated towards the tail end?
1: Management, I mean, no disrespect to anybody. Yeah, no, I I mean, we just keep it real up here. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate all the opportunities I ever got over there. Um, I think what was happening was they were so focused on there's a lot of things happening on that street at that time. Like, you can look back at the history. Something was... like
0: the Red Sox probably just started winning, too.
1: Red Sox were winning.
0: Um... For those who don't know, Lansdowne is the the street directly behind right field. Right. And it's like, because our friends, our kids our age, don't necessarily go there. It's usually like yeah. in, when you're like 25 to 28, you go to Lansdowne. Yeah,
1: that that makes sense.
0: Um, but that's like where Caskin Flagging is, House of Blues. Um, Lansdowne Pub. What else am I missing? Um, that sausage vendor.
1: That sausage vendor. <laughs> so, so back in those days, right? They, they, I think Game On's over there too. Game On, right? So a lot of those venues that you just mentioned weren't there. This is the thing, right? So around this time is when a lot of changes were happening. A lot of you know, so that you had Access and Avalon with the venues that were down there. It Wasn't House of Blues. Mm-hmm. So you had Access and Avalon. You had Jake Ivory's, which was right next door to Bill's Bar.
0: There's the bowling alley,
1: there too. Lucky Strike, mm-hmm. yep. So, Bill's Bar was doing live music. Jake Ivory's was a piano bar, and Axis and Avalon were the national rooms for mm-hmm. live nation. They were doing you know m- almost all uh, national acts. And at night they would do these like you know dance DJ dance nights. So there was some drama that was happening on that street. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, if there you is, guys there remember. Some, I don't. There was there was like people getting you know, there was some like fights, a lot of fights.
0: Oh, there people were just like getting drunk and doing stupid right, shit.
1: Right, right. And then you know there was there was repercussions for that to to those venues. Not Bill's Bar, but well, but yeah, the, you yeah, because cause you know Bill's Bar was all you know local live music, mostly small nationals mm-hmm. here and there. But <laughs> Axis and Avalon was was bringing a lot of heat. I'm sure the, the kind of clientele that was coming in there. But well, it was rappers. I wouldn't say it was rappers. It was, it was really those, those, from my memory, it was really those, like those DJ nights. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they were having too many problems. Cause kids
0: just show up drunk and then people get aggressive. And...
1: It was like, actually somebody got killed. Like one of the, one of the, Jeez. One of the bouncers actually got killed. I think what, he get stabbed. He just got stabbed. Oh my God. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of drama happening there. Jake Ivory's was, was closed in mm-hmm. being made into Lansdowne pub, which is a beautiful venue, venue now. Um, But I think that 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 room kind of took a lot of their attention. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I didn't run that business, so I I can't tell you exactly why they did made the decision. But they and and for those
0: who don't know, like as a as a promoter, show manager, you are you have a direct relationship with the venue, but you're not employed by the venue.
1: So back then, you mean even now? Well, even now I am. I'm employed by the Middle East.
0: No, no, I get that. I'm saying but but your role back then back then oh yeah so yeah you were in you were outside contracting, right
1: so yeah i was like you know 1099 or whatever yeah, you know, yeah. A contractor um so yeah so you know they didn't have any i guess they didn't have any they felt like they didn't have any obligation or whatever but mm-hmm. um so my mistake was to put all my eggs in that one basket the venue closes um and now i'm about to have a child i have nothing
0: scary man right
1: so um how how
0: old are you now at this time like late
1: this time this is like uh 2008 10 years ago so you're like late 20s um yeah Mm -hmm. about there but um so yeah so then i met a friend um who had his own company and um you know for a while while i was at bill's bar like he was trying to he he wanted wanted to work
0: together he wanted to work
1: together but you know back then it was so hard for me like i wanted to work with other people but i didn't know how to make it work Mm -hmm. because i was so focused on i gotta provide for my family i gotta you know i gotta survive you know yeah i it's all all the responsibilities on me i can't necessarily trust someone else to do it how do i split the money like you Mm -hmm. know i didn't know how to do that so uh it's my friend mark and and um you know he would call me on the phone and we would talk for like hours and um you know we wanted we wanted to work together but i just didn't know how to do it then Bill's bar kind of fell out that's when mark was like Lionel just come let's let's merge and let's let's work together
0: let's do something bigger yeah
1: so that was like the rebirth for me at that point so the started, rebirth the rebirth right i started working with mark and then you know he was doing like one show like a month or but a big show just a small local show okay something small like that, right? I came in there like with keep in mind i'm just I just had a child uh I'm used to doing every weekend, and you know I talked him into That's scary man, <laughs> I talked him into doing like you know about two hundred shows a year, basically or somewhere around there, like you know it, it didn't go right you know zero to sixty right away, but eventually like really soon from one show a month, I was like, dude, we gotta do three, four, five, mm-hmm. six, eight shows. I like shows. that. It's that
0: volume. Bix, wasn't I talking about that? It's that volume.
1: Yeah, he was doing like, you know, two, three bands a night. I was like, dude, let's go four or five. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm talking about. So I was like, we gotta push this. Word. At first, he wasn't on board. He was like, oh, no, But then he's like, he's like all right, right, let's you go ahead. Just and do it. So that's what happened. That, that kind of grew. I did that for several years. But what was the name of that company? Here Now Live. Here Now, now Live.
0: Name? Yep, yep. That was all Boston.
1: All of the greater Boston, so so Boston, Cambridge, Somerville, Alston area.
0: Well, Lionel's a seasoned vet, man. You are you're a vet.
1: You know all the all the glory goes to God. Honestly, like, anything good is from Him. But um, shout out to God. That's right. Big ups. That's so, that guy? So I was doing that for a while, and you know when i when I first started working at the Middle East as a bouncer. You know, I had, like, dreams of one day I was going to be a, you know, book, the, 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 the book, we called it Booking Agent back then. We're actually, now it's, it's the title is Talent Buyer because, like, there's a distinction between Booking Agent and Sorry, Talent Buyer. Sorry,
0: did, did I address you wrong?
1: No, no, it's okay. Like, I didn't even know the difference until someone explained it to yeah. me. Like, Booking Agent works for the artist. Talent Buyer works for the venue. venue okay. Yeah. But, um. It's crazy so that how was, life turned out, though, huh? You had a dream crazy. of doing it. It's I awesome. had a dream to do it. I, I didn't ever dream to book the downstairs i wanted the upstairs mm-hmm. right why i don't know why I, I think
0: and that's what and that's what you book now it is that's crazy isn't it is it?
1: yeah i didn't think i was gonna get there though like at some point once i started doing so many shows on my own I yeah like, as a, i was like all right, i'm just gonna do this for a while you know and, but, and was ned coming up at the same time as you were oh you know what ned he was coming up like just a little bit after me not mm-hmm. not too much longer so he was he was coming up around that time, yeah.
0: Oh, so I'm sure you guys had probably met before you both started working in the Middle East, right? It's
1: funny, the, the first so we're talking about Ned uh Leeds Edutainment.
0: Yeah, Ned's from Leeds who's been Shout doing, out to Leeds Edutainment. It's edutainment, right? Edutainment, yeah. yeah. Leeds is has um been just a a face of rap and hip hop in Boston for like over fifteen, twenty years. Yeah, ago, I mean so. it's like honestly He's one of the we, only dudes to, to run it to be have like Actual have longevity in in this right. city
1: because he knows what he's doing. Honestly. Yeah, he's so smart he's, dude. Absolutely, he's really good at, at that at hip hop. He's good at a lot of different different things actually, but he's like really good at hip hop. Yeah, but um I mean,
0: yeah, some of his artists. I mean, I know Static Select is a uh, signatures on that wall right there. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: nice. So yeah, he was he was coming up around that time. I remember the first time I met him. We had mutual friends with. um There's a band called Bad Rabbits. Do you know Bad Rabbits?
0: Bix. Bix does.
1: Yeah, Bad Raps is awesome. I love that band. They were called um, the Eclectic Collective when I when I met them. And so we were mutual friends. And, um, you know, I was starting to do some stuff with them in, like, Harpers Ferry and Middle East. And they were they were telling me about their friend, oh, you got to meet Leeds, you got to meet Leeds. Nobody ever referred to him as Ned back then. It was just Leeds, right? Was this his nickname? I think so, yeah. And that was the, the company name, yeah. too. Yeah. So it was like, you got to meet Leeds, you got to meet Leeds. And I'm like, all right, cool, you know? So there was this venue back then called All Asia. Do you remember All Asia?
0: Of course. It's it was right next to the Middle East.
1: It was up the street a bit, but yeah. On but the I, same I side. yeah I
0: I totally that was the first time I ever saw the Middle East is because I was leaving a birthday party coming from All Asia and I was you like yo that man, building really young. I I was maybe like ten yeah you were young and yeah. I was like that building is incredible like what is that thing
1: yeah so so All Asia if you did you actually go inside
0: absolutely I was at a birthday party
1: oh you had a party there yeah. Okay. So like, if you remember, it was a it was a Chinese restaurant.
0: But yeah, but there was still a stage, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: there was a stage, and there was a Chinese restaurant. Like, you'll never see this again. I, I mean, I would love to see another. That's when
0: Central was like beautiful, man.
1: I I think Central's still beautiful. I know, but, but there was
0: so much like combustion and like stuff going on, you know.
1: Yeah, but Central's it's booming, man. I'm telling you, there's so much happening in Central.
0: Cambridge is booming.
1: Cambridge is booming, yeah. But all Asia. Back to all Asia. There's yeah. another venue that I booked at. You know, not as much as the other venues, mm-hmm. um, but, um, yeah, so he had a show there at All Asian. I think I must have been at the Middle East that night or something like that, and so it was, like, Salim from, from Bad Rabbits, he was in the Collective Collective at the time, he's like, yeah, you got to come meet Leeds. So I came to meet him. So you said, okay, bet. Right, and I was, like, kind of, like, getting excited, like, because they were, like, you know, bigging him up, and so I was like, all right, let me come meet him, and so I come into All Asia, right, he has a show, it's kind of a packed room. And so I see this really tall dude. Yeah, he's big. He's a big – he's actually – he's really tall, but he's actually more stockier than he Mm -hmm. is now. And so they're like, oh, you know, Leeds, this is Lionel. And then he turns around. Hey, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) One of those. And that was it. He, like, turned, was up, and then turned away. (laughs) I was like, okay. So it's like – You thought it was beef. No, it wasn't beef. But I thought – at the time, I was like, man, he's he's not showing any love. I was like, all right. But, you know, honestly, both of us were, like, so focused on what we were doing at that time, That that's the mentality that we were in, you
0: know? It's kind of interesting, though. It's like you both were kind of doing the same thing, and now you both, like, work together. In I know. Same it idea. is
1: cool. It is cool, yeah. It is interesting. It's a
0: Hollywood story.
1: Yeah. I never I never would have thought I would be end up working with Ned, honestly. Because, like, he was doing his thing in one lane. I was doing my thing.
0: And, and you've always been rock, right, for the most part? Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's always been
1: rap. yeah. But now he's but Ned. I'm telling you, he has he has a lot of uh, experience with other genres. Like mm-hmm. he he's not just hip hop. Honestly, he's he's got a he's got a mind for all many different styles of music.
0: So so then when you're working with Mark,
1: yeah, right. And then what? So I'm working with Mark for a while. Um, you know, from working at the Middle East, I developed a, a friendship with the with the owners owners of the Middle with East, the Bill and Sonia, right. yeah, and. Um, so uh, around this time th- there's a venue at the Middle East called the Corner. It's the smallest of all the rooms. Yeah, yeah. It's five different rooms now. Back then there was only four. Um, so the corner, you know, they would they were like, Lionel, we, we need help with the corner. Like, you know, can you can you take it over? Now what's the capacity of the corner? Corner is like so like so this c- like seventy five or something. It's like
0: 60 ish. So you're like you give me this tiny room, like I've throwing huge shows.
1: You know, at the time I was like, you know, sure, you know. I was hesitant at first because I didn't want to to over, like, you know, spread myself too thin. But I was like, all right, you know, they they really want me to do it, and I, you know, I wanted to help them out, and I I could use the money, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did it, and um, and that's when I started to work for the Middle East to, again, because like at first yeah. it was a bouncer originally. It came back, yeah. Right. So it was like you know, Middle East was always home. I felt like that was, was home. So like coming back to. To you know, to work for them in that capacity, was, it, it made sense. Um, so yeah, I did that for I think I think that two years, maybe about two years, and then an opportunity came available for the downstairs. Whoa, that was that was a little bit of a surprise to me. I wasn't expecting that.
0: And, and was had Ned started working over there yet?
1: Ned <clears throat> at that time, I think he was he was uh yeah he started working in the upstairs. Okay, yeah he was already in the upstairs at that time. So, um, so yeah, so I was, uh, offered the downstairs room and the, keep in mind, my dream was always to book the upstairs at that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when they offered it to me, I was like, man, this is weird. Like, and you know, that's a lot of people. This is a big room. You know, am I ready for this? And everyone was like, you can do it. You know, they were encouraging me. And, um, you know, I felt like I had been praying for a different opportunity cause I wanted to kind of like transition. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was, you know, God had put this opportunity in front of me. And so I took it. And so I started booking the downstairs. And, that, you know, that was 2014.
0: Oh, word. Okay. Yeah. So, so start to finish, you're booking, this was like, a, it took you like 15 years to start and like get know, back right? to the Middle East. It's crazy. That's, that's it's how it works, circle. right? yeah. Um, Bix, can you, do you mind hitting the camera real quick? I'm going to use the restroom very quick. You guys need anything while I get up?
1: Did you get my rider?
0: Okay, we're live over in this end. Thank you for allowing me to take a bathroom break. Do you know what time it is? It's twelve sixteen. Oh, okay. Why what time you get a dip?
1: No, I'm I'm good. I was just wondering how much how much we've like at what point are we like halfway through or
0: Oh well I mean if you want to talk for six hours we can talk for six no hours. <laughs> um well,
1: I, I I'm used to talking to girls on the phone for six hours, but not not dudes. But Well you're on the airwaves, <laughs> man. That's right.
0: Um Okay, so we made through the Lionel saga.
1: You are you are now well that's
0: at the downstairs. Now you primarily book the upstairs. Right. Right. Okay. Um I think more than anything what I want to get out of this is we have a lot of young that follow this uh, rappers in the city mm. don't understand venues, don't understand f- show facilitation, don't understand how to creatively market something. Yeah. When when you are going to book a show What is the first And mind you Lionel mostly does rock Right What are what are you looking for primarily Like if it's someone You've never encountered before And, no. and, and they don't meet you in person
1: I love that you That you're mindful of these things Because mm-hmm. a lot of people Don't really think about it They just kind of They want things But they don't think about How, how to get there mm-hmm. um, So we need more people like you That's mm-hmm. what I want to say So And I think people like you are helping other people that don't know what they're doing because Mm -hmm. unfortunately a lot of people don't know what they're
0: doing. They have no clue.
1: It's not (sighs) just, it's not just hip hop though. It's, it's, it's every genre, even with rock bands. And, um, I feel like there needs to be some, some education on how, how to contact venues and what the venues are looking for Mm -hmm. so that they don't, you know, you got to put your best foot forward. Yeah. And, 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 um, it just slows down the process when you don't do that. So, so as a talent buyer, I get tons of emails. You know, here's you know, here's an example. Hey, I want to book there. Nothing else.
0: Well, you should see my DMs, my direct messages I mean, on it's, Instagram. It's, <laughs> it's bananas. Like, there's no, I, I had no some name. kid. Listen, I had some kid hit hit my DM. I'm just gonna change his name. Yeah. But he was like, "Yo, what's up? Yeah, it's it's cash out."
1: you know what that's more information than I get most of the time I bet it's
0: like hey I want to do a show
1: yeah hey what's up we're doing a show there like what you know what I mean like, what are the, what are the details of, it's like okay I get that you're interested that's great right but I need some information but for, <laughs> and
0: first impressions are everything uh, it's yeah. like you're going to let's say my first contact I bet I scripted some like professional email that took me like 2 hours but like you're going to see okay does this is he using punctuation in his sentences <laughs> is he saying hey this is wh- who I am this is what I've done this is what I'd like to do with you it, did they send you I'm sure you look directly at YouTube videos Instagram links right SoundCloud
1: yeah. I look at everything I I think you know obviously there's a point of you know if you over communicate you know you don't, don't want to like overwhelm somebody when you first mm-hmm. initially Initially contacting them, but I think the basics are, you know, letting them know who you are, mm-hmm. and and you know, give give us links to to your work. You know, I'm, I want to I want to see SoundCloud links. Honestly, like SoundCloud is so important right now for 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 artists that are trying to book. For me personally, you know, from my perspective, I I want to see a SoundCloud link, maybe a Bandcamp if you don't have SoundCloud, a YouTube.
0: So so you would listen to the music before you saw a video.
1: Um, I do I do them all. So so you know if if you're contacting me and you send me a, a SoundCloud or a Bandcamp, mm-hmm. a, a YouTube, and especially I want to see the Facebook. If it's if it's a you know if it's more of a younger crowd, obviously I want to see Instagram and and Twitter. But um, so I'm checking them all. out. I'll check all of them out all at once.
0: So um, I I think this is important too. And correct me if I'm wrong. What the venue cares about ultimately is they want to throw a show they they want to host your show if there will be no problems with the show right mm-hmm. which means underage drinking fights right they want to work with people who are transparent right and ultimately at the end of the day it's a business so they want to make money off the show did i miss anything
1: i think everything you're saying is right mm-hmm. and i think that um I think that both sides should want that, absolutely. So you know, obviously the artists they want they they're passionate about their music. They want to perform, and that's great. We want we want to provide a place for them to perform. Um, there needs to be transparency, and we need to uh, communicate on expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, so so like artists they just want I want to come perform, but you know it's a business. So if the show depending on what kind of room they're go- coming into, we need to, to, to know like what they're going to bring in, like how many people are coming for them yeah. versus the other act, you know?
0: And, and at the same time, how, here's another question. How frequently do you deal with ego with artists and, and camps?
1: Um, me personally, cause I that
0: was one of That's one thing I'm just starting to notice. There's just a lot of egos, There is a ton of ego in this, but it's not justified. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
1: So here's the thing, right? With my job as a talent buyer, the majority, I would say maybe 60 to f- 60 to 70% of what I do, I'm dealing with national acts. I'm dealing with agents. Big dick swinger over here. Well, no, uh, I don't mean it that way. It's just it's a different my a different my role level of is professionalism. Different. Yeah, my my role is different now. When I first started out, I was dealing strictly, you know, a a you know, directly with the artists, mm-hmm. the bands. Um, now I'm mostly dealing with, with agents and managers and, you know, in, on that level. And then, you know, there's a smaller amount I'm dealing with, uh, that's, know, that's
0: the funny. Artists. That's actually so funny. Cause like people will managers and agents will hit me up, you know, to get on the show or yeah. like, Hey, we should pull a show together or something. And I'll be like, you're a loser. Like, just why don't you come talk to me personally. You know what I'm saying? What? Like I, I, artist, I, you mean? I would prefer the artist just come straight to me.
1: Well, That's that's kind of a catch twenty two. So here's the thing, right? If you if if you have like a personal relationship with the artist, like you Mm -hmm. know them a long time, like I've been in that position before, where I've worked with an artist before and we have a relationship, and then now now there's a manager, and it's kind of you know initially it might be weird, but honestly it makes sense. Like at some point an artist if they get to a certain level they do need someone to handle the communication. I know,
0: but I deal with all Boston music, so I'm not dealing. And at the same time, it's like, I don't want to do work personally. I'm, you're probably different. I don't want to do work with people who can't handle themselves talking on their own.
1: Yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, any person should ideally be able to handle themselves. Exactly. but
0: Especially in the Boston level. You know what I'm saying? You know what the market is out here. Yeah.
1: But keep in mind, too, Connor, like, you know, a lot of people, they have day jobs. You know, everyone kids, does. Kids, right? So, like just imagine if you had a full-time job and mm-hmm. you were you were an artist at the same time mm-hmm. and you know you know maybe you have kids too and um like you know trying to balance those things could be difficult especially when same. you need to communicate at a certain level so yeah you know maybe you might want to get someone to to handle that that's only handling
0: well i think what i'm saying more so is i would i want to work i think the most valuable Thing any human can do is just be able to communicate effectively. Yeah, definitely. Definitely on the same page, right? Yeah. I, I think it's a, a total turn off in terms of pause, but turn off in working with an artist if they're not able to express what they want, how they feel directly to me before they need to go through someone else.
1: I can understand that. Yeah.
0: Lionel, you're a great guy. Oh, Thank you. Glad I could get that through. <laughs> um, so, so you, on the national level, you deal with ego a lot, or it's more just like this is business e- efficiency effective.
1: I mean, every now and then that that mm-hmm. comes into play, but not not a ton. I mean, I meet a lot of cool people, a lot of humble people.
0: It's the best part about the Middle East. It's yeah, tons of people in and out.
1: You meet <clears throat> you meet every every different walk of life. You know, whether it's an ego or or someone that's very humble and easy to work with. So like yeah, I'm just thankful for the opportunities, like especially when you meet someone that's humble, mm-hmm. like I feel like you're a humble person mm-hmm. and you're you know someone that that communicates well so and persistent psychotically, right? which is good, <laughs> no, I love that we have to be right, yeah, definitely
0: um so one I went to one of Lionel's events recently, probably in the last month. And he booked Creed Bratton from The oh, Office. That was that, that was a sick, sick show, man. That, that was, was dope. That and one you hit the jackpot on that too. You're just like, fell in my sold luck, out, right?
1: Sold out in advance. How did that work, man? So I Creed,
0: Creed's the old dude in The Office with a bald head who always has like the deadpan black humor.
1: Right, right. What was his? I was talking with someone the other day. Was he in HR? What was his his title?
0: I have no... oh, his character name was Creed though.
1: Right, it was, his, it was Creed in in the show, but I, I was trying to figure out what department in in uh, Dun, uh, Dunder Mifflin did B- he. Bix, you looked that up.
0: Um, nonetheless, what an interesting dude. He yeah. He had a number one single on the Billboard before he started the office, and he started the office like twenty five years later. Right, right. Isn't that yeah. crazy? He's old school. Wait, and and what a he's seventy, and he was killing it. Yeah. He the. There were people crying in the audience. I was like, "Oh my god, people <laughs> love this show.
1: I hope that one comes back, man. I can't wait for that show to come back again." No, it was
0: it was hilarious because people love The Office so much. Yeah. that he was like he was doing an acoustic rendition of The Office like um da da, 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 da da He he did that at the end and he did like American Pie. People were bawling their eyes out. Nice. That that's what that's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> He's a quality assurance director. That's what
1: director. He was, yeah. That was, I think that was one of the highlights of, of, of uh, 2018 was that sh- was that show. Yeah, that was sick, man. I was excited about that one. So how did that happen? You know, I had been trying to book him for like a couple of years, man. It just wasn't, you know, wasn't the right timing. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> when I was trying to book him, I was trying, you know, part of my job is I need to evaluate uh, a show to, you know, see how big or, is it sell? or small it is. Right. How's, how's it going to do? And 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 base my offer on that, and so this one wasn't an easy one to kind of gauge, but I just had a gut instinct. The Office,
0: you knew it had to be a bucket, man. I, you know, I you you show.
1: would think though, you would think that that's the case, but it's not always the case. um I love The Office, one of my favorite shows, and obviously love that character. So that I had a personal interest, like I really wanted to see this one happen, but. Is it big enough for the Middle East downstairs?
0: And you were probably like, mm, "This is like kind of a weird show." He, it's like yeah. a, but it's like a music intermittent with like some stand-up comedy type.
1: I thought that was, I, I liked that. Oh, so,
0: so you had heard of a show with a format like that beforehand?
1: Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it made sense. I mean, because he was a musician before the office. Yeah.
0: Well, I didn't. I did not know that, but it was really cool. Yeah, he he would take a bit and talk. You know, tell some jokes and then he'd play some more songs. Yeah, and what a cool tour! Like, that was sick. Yeah. Um. So what what happened? You get an email blasting like, "Hey, Creed's on tour. He wants to come out here."
1: Yeah. So like, I had been talking. I think he might have changed agents while I was, you know, bo- mm-hmm. during the time that I was trying to book him. And so, um, there was this one agent that uh oh so so I sent an email I saw that he had shows coming up and I was like man I really want to book this dude like uh, you know it's ne- every time I've tried it just didn't work out either mm-hmm. either he wasn't available or I I didn't have the dates or whatever reason right and so I saw that he had sh- he had shows and I I think I sent a message to his page or, or put a post on something and then I like I was like man I gotta figure out
0: How who, the,
1: who the new person is mm-hmm. so I, I found out who that was and I sent him an email um and he hit me back. He was like, "Oh, I heard you want to book, you know, you want to book Creed Bratton in Boston. And what's up? You know, here, here are the dates. Dope." And I was like, "Bet." That's huge. I was like, "Bet." But honestly, at that time, I wasn't sure if that should be a Middle East upstairs show or not. Because I was like, I was like, "Is this going to be big enough for downstairs?" So, I, so it was packed. And packed. It was packed. And so, like, we were negotiating the de- the details and all that. And I was, I kind of had to step out on faith. That it was gonna do well enough, like not not a sold out downstairs. I didn't. I honestly didn't think it was gonna. It
0: o- no, it oversold out too.
1: It I didn't. I didn't think it was a no brainer sold out downstairs. So and,
0: like, and I don't even put you in hot water, but there was definitely more than five hundred seventy five people in there too. It was, I mean,
1: I doubt all at once, but yeah.
0: I swear on my life, it was like <laughs> the biggest, biggest show I had seen down there. Like I'm talking about, like you know, the coolers in the back. They were it was like pressed all the way back there. It was yeah. sick there's there's some appeal about that with shows it's like i mean my experience was a little bit different so when i was so i really devoted eight weeks to to the show this summer yeah i was staying this dude
1: was a man on fire let me just tell you he this dude i i haven't seen anyone grind like personally like witness someone grind so hard for one show
0: well i knew it was a really big deal to get that downstairs though you know I, i was aware and then you know i this this show wouldn't be growing if I hadn't done that you know what I'm saying
1: let me just tell you guys the people that are listening into or watching this Connor was telling me when he told me that he he was personally delivering tickets to every person that bought him that yeah. that blew my mind because as but that's what people have to do time, out here the time and dedication it takes to as one man to to meet with and and deliver or communicate mm-hmm. meet with and deliver tickets like that it's like more than a full-time job that's a lot but,
0: but can i be honest with you there was it was it was really weird for me too because i was bleeding for it so crazy that you know then it's just like four hours is all it is yeah and so on the night of the show i was just like okay this there was had a huge letdown afterwards i was like okay this is it like what happens next like, you know <laughs> what i'm saying um too big to fail no exactly but like there was an appeal, I think, and I'll, I'll do it for every single event I ever throw now, honestly, because it's just like you're really going up to people. You're like, yo, I would love for you to come to my show. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Cool, it's 12 it's 15 bucks. I have to charge you just because, like, that's my job. Right. But, like, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to give you your tickets. I'm going to give you everything. And then you show up, and you'll have a better time than you would if you just bought them online. I totally feel that way. Yeah. Would you agree? I mean, there's an appe- there's a total appeal to, like... And receive some tickets, as opposed to like go to this. What is it? Um, was it Ticket Hub? Ticket Web. Ticket Web. Ticket Web. <laughs> Stuff Hub. Ticket Hub. Yeah. That's that's one thing I I wanted to ask you. There's no one, and it's no knock to anybody coming up here ever, but no one who's come up here, I think, could produce a crowd like me and Jack, just because we're willing to actually go meet with people. Don't yeah. don't you think that more people should put in some legwork to grow the scene out here?
1: I think it'd be great. I'd mm-hmm. love to see it. Um, I think there, that some people are trying or have tried, but, you know, I hadn't seen that in a long time, how you did that show. Like, I hadn't seen that that kind of grind. Mm-hmm. Um, but, well, yeah, I'd I mean, love to see it.
0: How, how consistent are big shows f- for the upstairs?
1: Upstairs? So, I mean, the upstairs, you know, it, it holds 194 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you know, when you say big, yeah, it's like well, you know, well it's,
0: I mean when it like looking full, I, know I can look full at like a hundred usually.
1: Yeah, I mean you know usually in the I would say in the weekends are the, are the biggest shows obviously mm-hmm. because it's the weekend, but pretty consistent, mm-hmm. Pretty consistent, yeah.
0: There's just a problem with with artists out here like rappers specifically, um, and I'm trying to get it across. It's like the music here, you don't have the luxury to just be an artist. Mm-hmm. I really truly believe that people have to go put in like work.
1: I mean, it's a business, right? Yeah. So you know, and as far as that aspect of the business, you you kind of have to. If if you don't, then you have to find the other people that are going to do that. So, you know,
0: but that's the only money out here for artists is shows.
1: That's it. I think yeah. Uh, you know, I mean in general, like you see even on a national level, mm-hmm. like a lot of artists are making a lot of money off tours
0: that's where they make you know, all their tours money tours and
1: merch i mean they they make money off of streams off yeah. of streams and you know deals or whatever but a lot of it's tours huge yeah
0: i wonder like and tours attract a lot of attention too right um i just the, i feel an obligation just to like try to express to people like especially artists people want to blow up right artists want to blow up badly Mm -hmm. totally get it who doesn't but i don't think there's anything that stands more in especially in this music market than throwing a big show that shows you know people are actually going out of their way yeah they're not just listening to a stream that's that's effortless people are like they're at their apartment they're getting ready they're drinking with their girlfriends or boyfriends whatever they're taking uber to the middle east and then they're show. and then they're showing up to uber Big shout-out to Uber. Is that, is that how you got here? Or uh, Lyft? Yeah. <laughs> Uber. Uber there's a mean. big battle with that right now. You know that, right? Lyft is on the way swing up.
1: I know, yeah. Well, Uber is like uh, – there's a big difference between those two. Mm-hmm. I, think. I mean, obviously, they do the same thing. But I think uh, I think that Lyft is more customer-friendly,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think, it seems like. In terms of what? I mean, there's their marketing approach and just like – I don't know, just something about the way their app functions. I just think it's they're, they're quicker, man. They're quicker. Like when you when you order a lift, it's cheaper too, a little bit. Honestly, I think you know I, I have both of them. Honestly, so like I'll check. I'm, I'm a loyal person in general. I started with Uber, so my my default is I check Uber first. I think most people did probably start with Uber. Yeah, I think so too. So like you know if I if I check Uber and I'm like I don't like that price because I think it's a little high, I'm gonna check Lyft next to see what's up. Mm-hmm. You know, but sometimes Lyft is cheaper, but it, no, no,
0: but but Uber has been uh, huge, like, had dominance over Lyft for a oh, while, yeah, but Lyft yeah. is, like, swinging up. Oh, yeah. I wonder what, why that is,
1: honestly. Well, they had a lot of legal problems. So well, yeah. no,
0: know, know what they're not doing? And here, you can swag my sauce, because I know in three months, because I know in three months you guys will probably do it. They're not marketing to social media influencers. They should all be paying social media influencers to make Uber and Lyft videos well age. Lyft
1: was doing that for a little while they they, they i think Shaq did some stuff yeah like, but Ken that's, Hart.
0: yeah but those are celebrities i mean influencers oh
1: influencers oh i guess yeah um hey connor i sorry to interrupt do you mind if i use the bathroom real quick?
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely okay, right. oh oh we gotta get jack first oh we gotta get jack first priority when we get new gear i'm getting Lionel's shirt jack I don't can you more. give me a
1: can i ask her a favor when you do that can you put adam's head on one of those his bro, his son my son adam he love he's like a huge celtic's fan who well, who's his favorite kyrie kyrie kyrie. kyrie and jalen brown he wants me to get him kyrie's what do
0: you think of kyrie though
1: i like kyrie it's good but he believes the earth's flat uh
0: and you're a godly man
1: wait i think he said He's he's, he's just
0: messing around. I I know. He's just playing. He's actually hilarious. Yeah. He's a really smart dude.
1: It's funny, though. I was watching this video. I can't remember who it was, but it was like one of those YouTube videos where this guy was like explaining why people think the earth is flat. Okay. <laughs> I started to get into it. Well, that's, like, that's a rabbit hole, man. You don't want to go down that. No, but it was funny because I was I was I wanted him to try to convince me. You know, like I, I honestly don't believe the earth is flat. They'll
0: be like, it's an angle with some curvature on the horizon. That's like was, how they explain it. You
1: yeah, no, but no, this dude I think I think it was a joke, honestly. But he took like a serious angle at first. But I think he was like kinda like He's you know, messing like, around. He's funny. Yeah. But I was like, okay. Explain, like, show me the process, the the thought process, and why, like, you know, explain it to me. Use science or whatever the heck you got to do. Mm. Show me why this Earth is flat. <laughs> I mean, like, good it's like, luck.
0: It's it's a you couldn't do it. you the couldn't. internet's a crazy place. So so why do you only use Facebook?
1: I don't only use Facebook. I have Instagram and Twitter. Oh, you
0: got little private private accounts? No,
1: it's not private. I think I, I'm following you on on the no on shot. the gram, bro. No shot. You know. Are you? Yeah. Isn't it like uh, Coach Coach Connor or something like that? Yeah, Coach.
0: What is it under Lionel Train?
1: It's uh, it's Lionel Train, nineteen seventy six.
0: What a great year for! Oh, there you are. That's right. I just gave all right. my All 20. right, well, well, GDP just followed you. Word! Shout out to GDP. Oh, so now I can tag you and all that stuff. I'll, so I'll send you some clips that you can put up. Okay. So, say, hey man, I should have you know what? A professional I, I think
1: I'm gonna have to book a private lesson with you. You need, you need to school me on on the whole
0: social media marketing.
1: Yeah, especially with you, Instagram and Twitter, because like I, I feel like I'm, I'm an old head with that. Like I don't really know what I'm doing.
0: Well, it's weird. It's like, what are you
1: marketing? Me personally?
0: Yeah. So like, you know, you market your services, I guess, more than anything.
1: No, I'm. I mean, I'm marketing like shows, basically. You know, artists that are playing. So event marketing, I guess you could say. I could market my services.
0: But yeah. So, so outside of booking, do you ever? Do you want to throw your own show coming up, or I,
1: I do every now and then. Yeah. Oh, do. you? Yeah. LB LB presents. LB LB presents. Yeah.
0: What is the B? Brown. So yeah. So are you Lionel Train or Lionel Brown? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's where well, this interview ends. Well, yeah, because well, I heard you on the phone.
0: I heard you on the phone once. I was like, wait, what's going on? It's, it's cool if I call the episode Lionel Train, though, right?
1: Of course. So just to be, this guys just, got an alias. It's just hilarious. to clarify, so it's it's a funny thing. Basically, like one of my nicknames was L Train in college. Uh, one of the football coaches gave me that. That's hilarious. He called me uh, Lionel Train. Or L- were you train. a lineman? I was an offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. right tackle.
0: Oh wait, by your pancaking mad people, he's calling you Train. I wasn't. That, I wasn't that good, to be honest with you. you. Played in college. You must have been all right, man.
1: I played one year.
0: <laughs> Still, wait, was it Central Michigan?
1: You play no, no, I, I played at UMass Boston. For oh, a year. They, they had a team back then. They did. This was like a a year. Or two, it was like one or two years before they. They stopped the program who like, were you playing like you were playing like assumption so we played uh yep yeah, i think we played assumption we were in we were, we're it's a, a d3 school mm-hmm. so they played like assumption i think university of maine mm-hmm. uh colby college uh bridgewater state like those kind of schools
0: well colby is in nescaq
1: that's like a so i think they i think umass is in nescaq now no shot know. i think they are but not not for football but like other a specific have, sports maybe. right yeah, yeah. um we, so, didn't, we didn't play uh, Providence, though.
0: They don't have a team. They got no football team. They have no football team. I, I tell all the girls I was on the football team, I'm like, oh, my
1: God, we love you, man. But you played sports, though, right? You told me you played something. Mm, not when you a, were a kid?
0: Yeah, I played football in high school.
1: You did? Oh, let's talk about that.
0: Well, me, Jack also played. We were terrible. <laughs> <What position laughs> There's no conversation we had. Well, I was. A, that's where I first learned I was a psycho, more than anything, because I would, like, get on the field, and I, I would just, like, Keep hitting people Whistle was done Keep hitting nice. people
1: That's why you're an animal now
0: Yeah It's probably all up here I was probably Blocking with my head Honestly
1: um, Did you Did you guys play Pop Warner When you were little
0: no. no see the thing is We grew up in Lincoln Mass Okay So there's Lincoln is like Without Hanscom What is it 5,000 people It's like 4,000 people
1: Which way is Lincoln Is that south West West Every,
0: Northwest.
1: What's, where Down are Route it? 2 Just
0: like, go down Route what 2 What are the surrounding towns Concord, Lexington, Walton. Oh, okay. Weston, Wayland, Sudbury, somewhere in the woods.
1: So they didn't have a pop warner team then. Well there think? was
0: the Lincoln Sudbury, but only Sudbury kids played. Lincoln was good at soccer, it's pretty much it.
1: Was Sudbury the Scrubs and Lincoln were like the, the cool kids or what?
0: Absolute opposite. Lincoln were the freaks. Oh, we, me and okay. Jack were total freaks. Nice. Still are freaks. We so, like it. Th- we like it that way though.
1: What position did you guys play?
0: Well, so I rode big bench. Big bench, and um, <laughs> additionally, there were they'd have me in practice in the scout team, and so I would just I was just known to go, re- I was not good, but I would just go really hard. Yeah, so like one day the coach was like, hallway, oh, we're gonna put you on the special teams. Oh, you on special teams? So I, w- I was on the kick return.
1: Were you returning the ball?
0: No, I wow. was just like trying to tackle kids, even though I was supposed to be blocking. Oh, I got you. Was, I loved high school football though; it was fun.
1: What about Jack? What did he do?
0: Lineman.
1: Oh, was he? You're, were you bigger back then? Much oh, bigger. Oh, Okay, yeah, I can see uh, like, it. Oh, you're a big boy. Yeah. Okay, there you go.
0: But you played at Somerville High?
1: No, I man, I messed that up, and I didn't end up playing there. I played in Chelsea for a year.
0: Well, you know Everett's nasty, right?
1: Everett is sick. Nasty. That, but we used to play them back in. When I was going to Chelsea, mm-hmm. and and we used to kick their butts. No like, way. We used to trade back and forth, but Chelsea was hanging with them for a while.
0: They're having like they have like six kids go D one a year.
1: I mean, now Everett is like insanely great. Beast. Yeah. So when I was a kid, is really good too. When I was a kid, they weren't as good.
0: Probably a new coach or something. Yeah, probably. Um, what? Since you're a vet. I also asked you this. I was like, what's your favorite I, show? I wasn't in the
1: military, by the way. You weren't? Oh, yeah. No, you're, you're a vet. <laughs> just, and bo- to, just to clarify. You're a Boston music vet. No no military discount. W-
0: what um, what was your favorite show? It's a pretty basic, rudimentary question. but
1: Just like, did I ever went to, you mean? W-
0: well, so uh, one thing I learned from you is like, as a uh, talent buyer slash booking agent, it's like, if you get a good act, it's like a score. It's like that's the goal. It's like yeah. you want a big act who like is attracting a lot of attention for themselves. So was there ever one you were like, yo, I'm going to go get it, bam,
1: smack? I mean, like that Creed Bratton show was one of the, one of the ones because I was really excited about that artist. But, th- um, think early days. Early days? So keep in mind, in the early days, I was only doing local music.
0: Well, there were big rock bands out of Boston, man. You know this more than anyone.
1: There were, yeah. I Probably mean, a little
0: bit before you
1: like Spiritual Res was a band that I I I booked before and they're bigger now.
0: Um, you know them, Bix? You know I'm not huge into the rock so.
1: Right, right. Well, Spiritual Red is is is, uh, is a is like a reggae, rich reggae kind mm-hmm. of band. Um so, man, it's hard to say if I if I had to think back who's a big act that I wanted to get. Honestly, I can't remember like a big act, like a really big act that I did cuz it was all local music. And,
0: and for you it's like Rinse and Repeat, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the volume is 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 grand when, mm-hmm. it, when it comes to like local. Especially there's so many local artists in in Boston or the surrounding towns or even out mm-hmm. further out. It's insane, man! Like every year, there's like more and more new bands.
0: Well, everyone wants to make music, right? One thing. Can you can you speak on kind of like where Boston rock scene is like Boston rock? Because I don't know enough about it.
1: Well. um
0: Awesome. Would we, would we, is Adam Hanna rock? Is that what you consider rock?
1: Adam Hanna is like singer-songwriter, you know, singer-songwriter, pop rock, I guess you could okay. say.
0: But that would be... Adam, rip- is he's an awesome artist. Yeah, he was your your show buddies now. He's really good. He's great. He performs at Cap all the time.
1: Did he... Was he on The Voice? Or... or, or uh, Oh, it hasn't happened?
0: He, uh... He, well, no. Sorry. I thought he was on one of those shows. Adam, my bad, bro um no
1: not you didn't tell me i just i thought i saw something well
0: no not everyone's gonna know but it's fine (laughs) he uh he got he got denied the first time but they just asked him back oh
1: sweet you heard it here first
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah on the golden hours man
1: (laughs) the golden hours i like that
0: um yeah so uh, furthermore what are where is boston music rock at like what is it so
1: many great bands local local yeah so many good ones I feel like there's even more up and coming bands that we haven't you haven't even heard about yet, so there's so many, so much talent in Boston. I mean you got Berkeley here, which is like probably one of the biggest mm-hmm. best uh music schools in in America. I mean people come from overseas to go to Berkeley. that's how good the school is oh yeah,
0: yeah- John goes to Berkeley or went to Berkeley right um I know, but my question is as a market, where is it
1: as a market. On a national level, you mean or well well, that's one
0: thing I think people can take away from this. It's like there there's no I threw one of the biggest shows of the summer, right, yeah. locally in Boston. I didn't make that much money. Yeah. Well, how do artists start making money out here? like what do they do?
1: I think part of it is uh you know you have to you have to put together a plan first, you know just diving into something mm-hmm. you know it's okay, but if you plan it out and and, and project like that's one of the things I was trying to do with you when we, when we sat down is like to show you that that's why I spent that time with the numbers and all that to show you what you were really getting into to make sure that you understood that and that you were ready for that. Mm -hmm. And you were, you, you know, you took it on. And so, um, you really have to kind of evaluate where you're at as an artist in terms of like, you know, obviously with your music, but also the business side, you know, um, where have you played before? Like, what, what, what have you been able to draw on your own? Because at the end of the day, it's great to get on shows where people are just there, and everybody wants that. But you really have to take a uh, an accounting of what you can bring to the table as mm-hmm. an artist, in terms of business. You know, how many people you can draw out. What are you worth as an artist? Uh.
0: So what I'm saying is the only avenue I can see for artists to make money. So I think the goal for a lot of people is, okay, I want to be a full-time artist, right?
1: A lot of people want that, yeah.
0: You can't. Right now, you can't do that in Boston. It's not a thing. Some
1: people do that. I mean, here's the thing. I, I see a lot of artists that, you know, they they start off and they have all these great ambitions and they're hungry mm-hmm. and they're out there grinding and they really want to be full-time musicians. And some of them some of them end up making it. And some of them kind of end up realizing that, you know what, I'm not really going to be able to survive financially. Um, Either I need to go put it down and go do something else. Or, or, you know, a lot of them, they they start, you know, working, uh, you know, with like um, corporate events or, you know, as wedding bands. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, cover bands. Like I see a lot of artists go that way eventually. Because it's safer. It's safer, but also there's more opportunity to make money.
0: That's that's what I'm saying. It's safer. But yeah. the reward's not as high.
1: Financially, it's higher. But maybe not personally rewarding as no, much. No, but I'm saying,
0: yeah. I mean, but you're, the wedding money's going cap to cap out at some point. Wedding money's sick, bro. Don't,
1: don't sleep on Bro, the no moon. one wants
0: to be a wedding singer their whole life.
1: Some of them, some of them actually decide that that's what they want to do, and they're excited about it. But I, I feel you on that. Like, people that, like, when I first started doing this, when I was, you know, so new to the game. I hadn't worked in the music business. Mm-hmm. So just identifying... The perspective of the artist yeah like you know artists a lot of artists that like very they're into their music and they they want to they want to play their music mm-hmm. you I'm know down, there, there there are some artists that that like you know they're all about covers or whatever but a lot of artists that like they're into their what they want to do their vision so um and that's important to them so for an artist to decide eventually i'm gonna go and play covers when they initially only wanted to play their own music that's that's a big transition yeah, it takes a lot of like.
0: Uh, Some people also start with covers and then transition out of it. That's true. Yeah. I, I mean, so one, I'm gonna call it right now. I think Boston music in the next three years is gonna be huge,
1: huge, uh, huge. On what level, though?
0: On a national level, it's gonna be viewed as like a a very prevalent and relevant scene, like Atlanta or New York or L.A. or Chicago i think that i wonder how the, v- the venues it's going to transition you know i feel like you guys are gonna have to take way more volume
1: so so usually from my from my experience you can kind of see some, some precursors to that kind of thing mm-hmm. and you know three years is not that far away what precursors do you see right now in in, in local music uh you know the local scene that that are, that are leading you to believe that's going to be that big
0: I think from a marketing strategy, I mean that thing is just vicious. Okay. Um, There's there's a a huge disorganization as we talked about. Right. Ridiculous, but there's like really talented kids out here. Mm. I think there are more people. I realize filling into administrative roles which is actually probably one of the most important things. One dude I respect the shit out of is um, Tim LaRue. I've never talked about him on the show, but it was Cousins to manager. Genius, man. Like total, I would love to speak to him soon.
1: Is he from Boston?
0: I think he's from Connecticut. I think he went to school up here. Right. Genius, genius dude. There needs to be like 15 of those.
1: Yeah. Right? Doesn't happen though.
0: Usually, but I'm starting to see it. So, for instance, we had um, this girl, young lady named Roxland up here, and she works with um, one of the artists that performed at my show. There are are really smart people filling into positions that mm-hmm. know how to market really well.
1: Now, are they creating these positions? Or are they are they going to kind of team up with a? Because that's the thing. Like a lot of these these people, I don't know. I don't know Tim Roos' story, but it sounds like he's kind of do, just started his own thing. Right? Is that, or is he with I, another I think, company? Well,
0: I'm sure you probably met him in passing because he would go to the Middle East. They're definitely throw shows in the Middle East. Right. I mean, as would every rap act ever in Boston. Yeah. Um, but the the way effectively that Boston, the entertainment market's gonna grow. Boston's a really communal city. Mm-hmm. People love sports, right? Oh yeah. People love the city. I right. think music
1: is just the last leg. I think music. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, there are a lot of uh, uh, people in Boston or the surrounding areas—they they love live music. And, Every who doesn't, right? But you know, the ones that want to come out and see live music, the, the majority of them are coming to see in more mainstream acts mm-hmm. or more touring acts. They they don't necessarily pay attention to local music. There there are some, but I would say it's a smaller uh, demographic. Mm-hmm. But and that wasn't always the case, though. I think. You know, like in the, in like the '90s, like I, I talked to people that were around during those times, and the scene was totally different. People would come out to see live music, like when the Rat was around and mm-hmm. and the the channel.
0: Well, well, there's a you you've probably noticed it. There, my crowd at the Middle East was much different than ones you'd normally see, right? Because I was getting, you know, a lot of my friends from Providence and Lincoln and Sudbury. Right. They don't they don't think to go to the Middle East they think to go let's go out in South or Seaport or Yeah, one of those spots. How would from a venue aspect and from a just a marketing aspect, how do we start to tap into that audience and bring them in? And to make it more popular to go to, to go to a local Boston concert.
1: Well, I think part the initial initially is uh, you know, you, you introduced them to the Middle East, like the ones that, that hadn't been there before. That's their initial introduction. So, you know, hopefully they came and had a great experience and they'll be looking to come back. Mm-hmm. Um consistency is important important. So if there's not consistency then maybe they'll come once and then they'll forget about it, you know. So, you know,
0: it's competition much higher now than it was when you were even a bouncer there in terms of like getting people from different pockets in the country to come. I mean, um, excuse me city.
1: I would say I would say yeah. There's a lot more going on now than back then. A lot, lot a lot of different, different um, things to do. Basically, I I just wonder how,
0: especially as a venue like you you transition marketing, because like, it's such a storied venue. How do you make sure you you start pulling the youngest kid, the younger kids, and like, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm sure you have real loyal people who have been going there for now ten years. Right. How, kids my age, how do you get them to come consistently to shows?
1: I mean the kids your age and, and younger they're, you know, they're paying, te- paying attention to certain artists. A lot of people don't just look at venues they're, it starts from the artist mm-hmm. the, people are not just coming to the Middle East by and large okay? because there are some people that just come there but by and large people aren't just coming to the Middle East or Brighton Music Hall or Paradise or any of these rooms just because hey I want to go to Paradise they're specifically coming for an for the artist. For
0: show so right. you think it's – it's in terms of building the market completely, it's more of a – it's a matter of, okay, we need more poppin' artists out here.
1: I think when you have a venue that is consistently bringing great artists in, great shows, and, and they are consistently marketing to those – marketing and remarketing to those those uh, people that are coming and, and creating a good experience every time they come in, they create, you know, brand loyalty mm-hmm. – um, and then they're more likely to come back. So I think that's what venues need to do to to keep that, that clientele coming in.
0: Uh, I'm under this theory that Boston needs, like, three artists, right? Rock stars that leave for a year but then come back and stay and start building out of the city specifically. Don't you think that'd be, like, wicked beneficial?
1: It'd be cool. I mean, I think, you know, we've seen that here and there. How do we grow the business
0: is what I'm getting at. How do we make it m- more accessible? How do we increase volume? How do, how do we make Boston, like, that city that's hot?
1: So, like, I don't know. One of the things, like, what's the intention? Like, what's the intention of, of when you say make Boston hot, is it is it to, like, show other cities and say hey look at us is that is that the intention or is it just
0: i think it's creating it's just creating opportunity for people who are really talented at what they do that don't necessarily have
1: it right now right so i I mean i think part of it is um i I think that we need to we need to like teach some of these artists um things that they don't already know and, and like how to You know, how do you book your band and how do you... How should you operate? How do you operate? Because, like, I don't think they learn these things, you know, on their own quickly enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they necessarily know where to go to figure out how to do that. You know, some of them do. They figure it out. But other ones that don't, they don't have that kind of, that compass Mm -hmm. to, you know, you're one of the people. You obviously went to school for, for marketing.
0: I was very rarely in class. What? I will not credit my institution on my skill set.
1: Right. I mean, ever. You, you just I think you have an innate drive and desire and, and you you know, you know how to find I was huffing
0: a lot of paint when I was a kid. That's why I'm all <laughs> loose up up top. Okay. <laughs> Kids still do that? No, I'm just messing around, bro. <laughs> um Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um I like I had like two fire questions that I, I wanted to rattle off. I forgot.
1: What's up with that next uh Golden Deer Productions
0: uh, event? Yeah. I got a couple. I got a couple in my head. But what's we, going on? I wanna throw another concert. I've been over this. Um I'll probably talk to you off air too, but yeah. I'm definitely we'll definitely have a show and I'm definitely we definitely have a couple events happening in the city in the city that Where? aren't that won't be concerts in the next couple.
1: Like outside stuff?
0: No, like it'll probably be a club or different structure of event. Yeah. I think we've done everything. I want to definitely want to do something on a boat, too. I definitely Ooh, want to do a boat event. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um, your prediction, your optimistic prediction in the next five years. And remember, in five years, Jack will have three kids. I'll be bumming on the street. You'll be a CEO. Where will Boston music be?
1: Five years. And um, listen,
0: kids, this is from... Somebody who has seen it grow, seen it change. Really smart dude. Let's trust his word.
1: I mean, I I can't necessarily say that I have like a, you know, a big, you know, a big surprise in the horizon in five years. Mm -hmm. I don't see a lot changing, honestly. Like, you know.
0: You, You don't think there's like the city, since the city itself is growing, then entertainment will grow innately?
1: I see. Okay. I've been doing this for about 17 years and things come in waves. Like I would say, every couple of years, uh, uh, you know, an, a bigger act blows up from Boston. There's like a band. There's a couple of bands that I could tell you right now that they're starting to blow up. Like Ripe is a band that's kind of blowing up. They're selling out, selling out Paradise Rock Club, and they're they're a local band, and they're playing all these festivals. So there's like Ripe. There's there's a Twiddle. It's selling out multiple nights. Uh, you know, Paradise Rock Club. I think they I think they're playing House of Blues or something like that. Yeah, yeah probably to vermont yeah that. but so that so that that's a new england band that mm-hmm. you know it's yeah close to you yeah. come to a boston band but these these are the bigger acts that are starting to blow up and um you know this happens like every couple of years so i, I think that that this is going to continue to happen like unless something drastically changes this is what will happen like Certain, you know, couple of the cream is going to rise to the top, is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, just
0: like what happened with Cousin Stiz. Same
1: thing on a hip hop level Cousin Stiz, Mo Christmas, mm-hmm. you know. It was, um, it was,
0: it was most definitely a wave.
1: Who else would you say? Who would you say that is like blowing up right now or like on the rise for hip hop and, and like locally?
0: On the, on the rise? Yeah. I, to be honest, like, I don't even mean to sound political, but there's just so many. We just put up a song on our, I think on our Instagram We just wanted to make sure It wasn't, didn't seem like We were putting up the Grammys But Yeah We put up 27 songs That we bumped Out of Boston this year right. And they're all kids From just different pockets All over the city
1: If, the you, top, had a, if like, you had to spit Three of them out Like who would you say Who top would you three? say
0: Donald, Donald G- Do you know Donald Grunch He's been in, released a bunch Grunch his, That's his last name He uh I only met him in passing He just put out A really really good tape man Donald Grunch I'll have to check him out Um I don't know. I also don't want to discredit all like people are like putting out good music. The ki- one thing is the, the um the kid who opened my show this summer, mm-hmm. his name's K Merck. I just have like such a faith in him. You K-mer. know K Merk. K Merck. K He's from Cambridge. I just have like crazy, crazy faith in him. And and when you say on the rise, do you mean not established yet?
1: Um because yeah. there, are,
0: there are big artists, like, you know, Jordan Lucas just got nominated right for a Grammy. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's huge. He's I think he's, like, the locally. The, the pinnacle. People. Yeah, right now. I mean, Did he ever have a show at the Middle East? I don't think he, I don't know if he's ever played there, but I know he's he's played Worcester, obviously, because he's from there, but.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it was interesting, because he kind of, like, left, he had to kind of leave to, like, grow yeah. his career. Right. But he, uh.
1: Who's that other kid? I can't think of his name right now. He's a younger kid. He's been on, on, uh. Hot ninety seven, you know what I'm talking about. He just put it. He just put an album out. I think or or, or video. Kind of young, I just can't think of his name right now. Bix. I don't. I.
0: I mean, we're the same at this point. I literally yeah. know every artist in the city, so I have no clue.
1: Yeah, I, it will come to me maybe. But um, so so not like a or Lucas level, but who would you say is like heading that way?
0: You got me stunned, man. Yeah.
1: Well, so they, they well come yeah, on. T- t-
0: that's just my big thing. It's just yeah. like I met a lot of good. I met a lot of good people. I just I think they a lot of people need to start developing their team, mm. you know, because like you need someone who's going to manage you. Yeah, for sure. Right. And market and be able to talk to people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I feel like we should honestly just start a label, Jack.
1: Where's the money? It's hard, man. It's a hard business. It's fun though, man. You I definitely need money. You need, you need. You're gonna need some money to play with.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um. Also, shout out to ourself. Obligated. <laughs> <laughs> so he actually has a great tape coming out.
1: Is it EP or like what are they? What are no, they it's need? like 13 songs. It's, awful full length.
0: And you do most of the production. I there's a lot of kids getting there's a, a couple figures in Boston which people don't know about, but I know about but most people know about but it's uh there are there are a couple individuals who have a direct tie to these huge platforms like lyrical lemonade or elevator
1: and what are those things i don't i don't know those
0: so lyrical lemonade started out um as this actually he's a director his name's Cole Bennett and he started making stylistically his own music videos mm. and it got really popular so he then built like a huge, pretty much like a just a music enterprise. Runs a huge blog through Lyrical Lemonade, throws huge events, and shoots all the biggest music videos. So there's a blog that's huge now that's associated with it. Mm. So there's a couple of writers from Boston who will pull up Boston artists and put them on it.
1: So Lyrical Lemonade is based out of Boston?
0: Chicago. Chicago.
1: But there's, there's writers from Boston. That there's writers the from
0: Boston that touch on the scene. Then there's right. also right. Elevator which is a huge YouTube channel. Mm. And it's pretty much underground music. So yeah. there's a kid, I don't, Pistola has, I've actually never met Pistola.
1: But is, that, is that reggaeton? What is that?
0: No, no, he's a, he's a rapper. Okay. So he actually got a song on there last, this time last year, I think i had heard it for the first time. Um, and it got him over 2 million plays now. Cool. Because the platform is so big itself. Yeah. Um, But there are kids that are, are out of here that are like doing really cool shit but it's not collective. You know what I'm saying? And now I feel like...
1: Look at that. Someone tried to get at you? My shorty.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Might have to end the interview. (laughs) Um, I don't know, man. I I also, I feel like sometimes I'm up here and I have like such a, I sound pessimistic. I just like kind of like get into the, the root level. I'm like really excited for what's going on.
1: Too. I thought you were gonna you were gonna direct that at me that I was because we had this conversation before, you know that you, you said that I was I was an old I sound like an old head. You are an old head. <laughs> he's like, dude, they're not
0: they're not rapping about anything <laughs> up here, man. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know He's like, lyrical the,
1: content is important.
0: He's like, the new rap is he also called Drizzy trash. Come on, bro.
1: No, I actually to be honest with you, I, I think Drake is very talented. I like. Drake. Oh, he's going political no, no, now. No, that's no, not no, what you were no, saying. No, no, I did. I didn't at the time when we talked. I was I was kind of like yeah it's trash, but I've been listening to him a, a lot more lately.
0: Incredible man,
1: he's very talented. But I, I honestly think most of his stuff is, is not really about anything important. Well, he makes his he very top
0: records. You had, you got to go in his albums and start yeah pulling out some of those off album cuts. to beautiful, beautiful music, man.
1: I mean, he's gone through a lot of drama recently, and like, did you see that that he um, LeBron has that barbershop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was I, I watched an interview with him on that and like. I had a different perspective from him after watching that. Like a better perspective or a better perspective of Drake as a person? Cuz I feel like Drake as a person is a little bit different than Drake the artist.
0: Well, I think you also being I don't want to attest it to like your religious belief, but there there's a lot of like I th- I feel like when people say bitch in like
1: Hoenn music, like you hate it. I I don't See here's the thing, I don't hate people. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm a, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I don't hate people, and and you know the gospel doesn't doesn't preach hate. What I, what I hate is sin, and that's that's what God hates actually is sin. Mm-hmm. It's not people. Sin is is the problem. So you know when you when you talk about people, especially women, in that way, it's not right. Bitches should, and should, drugs. Women and are not bitches mm-hmm. or hoes or anything like that. It's, it's, but it's cultural. It's, you get that though, right? It's not. That's not, honestly, it's not an excuse though. Like mm-hmm. you, you should never, you should never treat a woman that way. You should never talk about a woman that way. It's, it's classless. Like it, I mean, it's not even just classless. it's just wrong. Mm-hmm. It, and it's like, you know, when when these artists are in the, doing that all the time, they're they're, you know, they're expressing themselves in the way they want to express themselves. But they're also these young kids are listening to this. And, well, that, well, I think that's part and, of so the issue. It's I mean, just it just people learned it. People are becoming. You know, these kids are. are are being taught that it's okay and it's good to actually think this way and talk like this, and desensitized. And they're being desensitized and they're being trained to, to do wrong. You know, it's like you know, where where are the artists that are actually uplifting children and 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 empowering them to to do the right thing? You know, it's just not popular. Pop popular and 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 what the right thing is, they're not always the same.
0: I know, but the, this it's, is like a that's a societal. It's Sometimes
1: it's it's like, you know, it might seem like it's hard to do the right thing, but, you know, it's it's always better.
0: Do the right thing said? What? Spike Lee. Spike, Spike Lee. 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 Yeah. I, was, I saw him on the ferry. Did I tell you that, Jack? Yeah. Did you talk You're, to him? Yeah, he's like
1: kind of. He's a Lakers. Was he a Knicks fan or a Lakers fan? No, Knicks. Knicks of course I had the Knicks. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so they're going to kick me out soon. So, so this is how we start and end these episodes. Yeah. I'm going to tell you once. I'm not going to tell you twice. You say, hi, my name. You can say Lionel Train, Lionel Brown, whatever you want to say. And this is my golden hour, directly after zero break. Hi, I'm Lionel Train, and that was
1: my golden hour. So, I'm going to say, hi, my name is Lionel Train. And this is Golden Hour. You
0: almost said Brown. I did.
1: (laughs) Hi, my name is Lionel Train, and this is Golden Hour. That's what you want me to do? No,
0: this is, and that was, because we're gonna put one piece at the start of the video, and then one piece at the end.
1: So this is, and that was, in the same sentence? No. (laughs) (laughs) Two different.
0: This is actually the most hilarious bit of the show. It's like, (laughs) well, because at the end of this season, I'm gonna cut up. I'll have like do a little montage of like everybody trying to do this. So it's this is. Hi, I'm Lionel Train Brown. This is my golden hour. Hi, I'm Lionel Train. That, that
1: was. was my golden hour. So two different sentences.
0: Yes. And if you
1: fuck up,
0: man, me and you are done for good. <laughs>
1: so then we done, man.
0: <laughs> um, but make sure you address the camera and put your sauce on it however you want to do it.
1: My sauce? Okay.
0: The L train yeah, sauce. put my
1: sauce on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whenever you're ready.
1: Okay. Hi, my name is Lionel Train, and this is the golden hour. Oh, keep going. Hi, my name is Lionel Train, and that was the golden hour.
0: Blew it, blew it, blew it. Up. But we'll go with it. It's fine.
1: <laughs> what did I, how did I mess up? No, it's
0: it's it's. This is my golden hour. Oh. This is yours, man. Take ownership. L- let me get another take. <laughs> go ahead. We're still running.
1: Hi, my name is Lionel Train, and this is my golden hour.
0: Ownership, masculinity. Yeah. But then you got to say, that was my golden hour. You're still blowing it.
1: Hi, my name is Lionel Train, and that was
0: my golden hour. Vix, is that a green mark checkpoint? Sure.
1: All right. Hey, you he's training the op. He a vulture.
0: Hey, had to wake him up like it's vultures. Hey, had to wake him up like it's vultures. Hey, Shorty gave me time for the culture. Hey.